want to get service, selection, and price so low. The record archive is the place to go.
Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are, episode 77. Indeed. Yes. So we uh, kicked it off with two Buffalo, New York bands today. That's right. The first band we played was Tynes with the song Thin Blue Line off of their two-song EP that they released back in April. That's right. Um, and then after that, we heard The Last Rain with the song No Horizon. That's off of their Evolution full length that just came out September 18th. All right, we nailed it. We nailed it. Fourth try. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to start off with a chemistry joke for you, oh. but but I knew I wouldn't get a reaction. So how you doing? <laughs> How's it going this week? Okay, how about you? Not bad. A little better than last week. Well, that's good. Yeah. You? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Yeah. So you're missing out on uh, some live entertainment, right? What do you mean? Like live music and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, I found this a brief but entertaining article on speaking of distractions for, for, Amer- for U.S. Americans... Uh-huh. This is um, roller coasters were invented to distract Americans from sin. Mm, okay. And, and I'll just read this briefly. But um, it says, in the, in the late 1880s, uh, hosiery businessman Lamarcus Thompson hated that Americans were tempted by hedonistic practices, such as saloons and brothels. He set out to straighten up one of the most Immoral places he could think of. Coney Island in New York. There he built America's first roller coaster to give New Yorkers some good clean fun to get away from their seedier pastimes. Hmm. Interesting. There are, in the days of COVID, there are no roller coasters that I know of. Mm, No. At least not around. We're in trouble. Yeah. No distractions. No distractions. (laughs) No bread and circus. Um, did you know that hippos make their own sunscreen? I think I heard that. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. Don't be a one-upper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to one-up you. Hippos secrete a red oil that That's prevents right. their skin... They sweat red, I knew that. ...burning by <laughs> scattering light. Did you know it also doubles as an antibiotic? I had, that I didn't know. Mm. That's it. <laughs> That's interesting. I'd like to sweat red. Oh, that'd be kind of creepy. Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe everyone would stay six feet away from you if you sweated, sweated, sweated red. (laughs) Um, so before people start turning their shit off, deleting, yeah, why don't we uh, talk about our special guests? today okay and um play a song by them and then get into our chat with them i think that's a fantastic plan all right so our special guest is joe and jeff from axe master awesome who's axe master started out in the mid 80s mm-hmm. and is still going they have uh, quite a discography of interesting and cool stuff yeah and they're very cool to talk to very interesting um, they filled us in about 
all of the history and current status of Axemaster. So let's um let's hear the song Sanity's Requiem by Axemaster, and then when we come back from that, we'll go right into our chat with them. Cool.
right. So, uh, Jeff and Joe, thanks for chatting with us tonight. Oh, yeah. Not a problem. Uh, looking forward to it. Appreciate it very much. Um, so, I wanted to start out with a, a silly question. Well, it's not a silly question, okay. but it's a it's a silly worded question. Um, Joe, you started out the band in the early 80s. Pretty close. Yeah, middle 80s, yeah. Middle 80s. Pretty close to Devo Central, right? How did the Spuds fare against Axemaster? The Spuds? Yeah. The, sp- the Spud Are Boys. You about Spud Monsters? No, the Spud Boys. The Devo fans. See, he's talking about Devo. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> what you have to under- what what you have to understand is up uh, around here too. We also had the Spud Monsters. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. Which is a punk band, so oh. he was confused. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, and you know, around here about that time, another band that was kind of Devo-ish called the Twist Offs. Hmm. They had a they had a video on MTV, a band that's from the city I grew up in, Kent, right next to me. There was a lot of people into that. You know, I mean, I mean, obviously, we didn't cross paths often with anybody who was into Devo or anything like that. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing was, was the people that I was around, the ones that there was a contentious rela- relationship with, believe it or not, were punk rockers. Mm. You know, and a lot of it was because of the glam metal, I think. Yeah. They just lumped... Uh, Nuwabum, Thrash, Hair, all of it just into one big category. Yeah. And I'd walk into a store and there'd be a couple punkers and all I'd get were dirty looks. Yeah. Like, what the hell, man? You know, well, I mean, metal partly came from punk. Right, right. I had nothing against nobody. I well, that's, arg- that, that, that's arguable because, I mean, uh, there if, if there's a there's that opinion, but there's also a lot of division and argument on whether because they almost new wave of British heavy metal and punk were very they had their own scenes in Britain, yeah, and here in the U.S. I mean they 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 didn't really feed on each other, um, but it wasn't until the whole crossover thing started with you know the punk punk bands that were. Uh, introducing metal into their act and metal bands are introducing punk into their act. Uh, I mean, the one that pops into mind immediately is Suicidal Tendencies. It wasn't until that that, you know, the two scenes started coming together. Um, I mean, there was still a thing when I went to go see Suicidal that, you know, metalheads were a little more careful there because you didn't want to piss off the the punks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, how it, that connects to Devo, I have no idea. It's <laughs> <laughs> a weird relationship between the early days of Axemaster and another music genre, more the punkers than people that were into like Devo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, uh, I mean, of course, you know, when I went to high school, there were all these girls that were like into Madonna and Cyndi Lauper and shit, and they looked at me like I was from another planet. Right, yep. You were. <laughs> yeah, in a matter of speaking. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I would just like flip my nose up and say, I'm too good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. So what, what was the metal scene like in Kent and Akron area back in 
in the eighties, mid eighties. It sucked. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I think it's better now. Even yeah. even with all that's happened with heavy metal half dying from the grunge movement and all that, back then uh, uh, an original band around here could not get a decent gig unless they were connected oh. with Auburn Records. Oh yeah. You know, Bill Peters company up in Cleveland, he got them good gigs. But an in, you know, a band like like us, you know, we were signed with Azure Records out of LA mm -hmm. who did, you know, distribution, promotion, printing the albums and all that, but they didn't help us with getting shows. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we it was slim pickings. We had uh, you know, had open up for a hair band just to get on stage. <laughs> Um, it was ridiculous. Now, at least, even though they're not they're not usually paying gigs, yeah. there are places for original bands to play around here on a regular basis. Not many, but a couple. So back then, well, we, you know, go, sorry, go ahead. Uh, uh, that's okay. I, I, the thing I think I miss about like uh, that era before grunge hit, you know, up to the early '90s, is yeah, there were more clubs. But people still were doing like underground shows. Like you could catch uh, like Blood Coven at some ratted out building that they're squatting in for the night. They happen to have electricity. <laughs> um, but it, we don't really do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody really does. Yeah. No, I don't think you'd be allowed to. Well, you weren't allowed then either. Well, Just yeah, but cared. I think that now it would, be a little <laughs> bit, it, it would be a little bit more difficult to not get caught. Right. So back in those days, were you, were you guys traveling out of town to play? No. No? No. The furthest place we played away was uh, just west of Cleveland. I mean, literally, I see, I had a problem because a lot of the musicians that I played with back then, and there were definitely a lot of lineup changes, most of them either didn't have the money to travel or, you know, their jobs kind of prevented them from traveling. Yeah. It's just been really over the last 20 years that I've been in bands that actually are eh, 25 that actually went and did out-of-state stuff yeah it was tough i mean you know i was really a newbie and i'm trying to run everything and learn at the same time yeah, yeah. you know so i didn't have the connections like you know we all do now and, and you know trying to trying to do everything it, it it wasn't easy yeah i can imagine it's a lot easier to do all this stuff now because, you know, I, I know what's going on. I know what the hell to do. Yeah. But back then, I mean, I was just flying blind, just trying one thing after another, see what would work. Yeah. 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 Sometimes that's how you learn, though, right? The painful way. Yeah. That's how you remember you know, things. <laughs> and, but the problem is, is a lot of people don't stick with it long enough to make that learning worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. We're the, you know, we're some of the survivors. Yeah. So how did, how did the current lineup of X Master meet? Well, I first, I, I was in a, well, I was going to bring back the original lineup and we were together briefly in like 2006 or something like that. 
But that didn't end up lasting, and I don't want to go into why because I don't want to go into personal things about people because they're still my friends. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we ended up with a different vocalist and bass player and did an album under like a, just a project name, a studio name called Inner Terror. Mm -hmm. And uh, now the original drummer from Axe Master was in that band, Brian Henderson. And he... Um, so after inner terror that that singer dropped out again i won't go into it but um you know and about two years after the album came out i'm like you know that what this is really stupid nobody is paying attention to a band that has absolutely no name and i'm like you know i'm looking online and there's all this pub about axe master going on and there hasn't been anything new from axe master and in like 19 years so i was like you know why am i being such a dumbass let's just bring axe master back mm -hmm. so the bass player and and the original axe master drummer went from the inner terror project to do axe master and then i'll let jeff tell you about us meeting all right well that's a leap in time <laughs> two or three years not yeah, long um one other vocalist um who ended up just not having the time to do the project so i was stuck i had all this music and nobody to sing you know do vocal tracks and then comes jeff well i'd moved back to this area and uh i want i was initially was trying to rebuild the the project that i had been working on in my last city <clears throat> and uh, which was Dayton, Ohio. I had gone from here to Dayton to Chicago, ended back up in Dayton again eventually, and then back here. It was like the weirdest thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I was trying to put together that project again, and I was having a lot of trouble with it. I mean, you know, there's, uh, I, I've never had a good experience getting musicians off craigslist yeah but i was getting to the point where you know okay i've auditioned for some things i've tried to do my own thing nothing's coming together um so i think i, I had posted on craigslist you know guitarist vocalist looking for you know project and then i was at my brother's house with family and uh I got a phone call from Joe and uh, asking if, you know, I might be interested in, in auditioning for Axe Master. And I'm like, I know that name. I know that name somehow. I just did. But that's a good sign. Right. Most of the time. <laughs> 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 so, uh, so, yeah, I had agreed to it. And uh, one of the bands I had auditioned for, I was friends with. I, I haven't talked to him in a long, long time now, but I should try and catch him sometime. Uh, uh, which was a modern metal outfit. Um, I was talking to at the time as well, but uh, I went to audition for Joe. And uh, went into his little studio room there. And um, it was kind of, I, I brought like, books of lyrics and stuff like that i didn't know how this was going to all you know flesh out and, uh so we started playing through some of the songs that he had and uh what eventually uh, 
I say eventually, but it pretty much became this right then. Uh, the song that was Forsaken came on. I'm like, oh, I have lyrics that totally go with that feel and the the structure. And so I sang that uh, verse and a chorus for it. And uh, then he, uh, you know, asked me to shipped it off to edit it and uh, mixed it a little bit and shipped it off to the other members and poof. Ta-da. no power site because i'm like this is a guy period this is a guy and i sent him a mixed down version of that verse and chorus and that's what i put to brian uh, brian henderson the bass player at the time was jim curtis i said dude this is our guy you say it's you know i'm not gonna you know just say he's in the band without being cool with you but as far as i'm concerned he wants in the band he's in the band (laughs) <laughs> there was no question, no hesitation whatsoever. <laughs> I think you made I, a good I, choice. Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of unexpected that you know here's this a project that has a history and is you know I had never performed in a project that had a history like that. It's mm-hmm. just, I mean, I'd always. Uh, either put my own thing together or performed in somebody else's thing. Yeah. I think the oldest band I'd been in probably been together maybe five years. <laughs> so it was nice to have something that, you know, not only, not only has uh, a feel and a structure that I like, um, but that actually has a history to it too, that, you know, it wasn't just starting from zero again. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and the thing is, is I loved your attitude, and I still do, concerning that, because I've run into other musicians that felt the opposite. They felt like, they felt like, well, you know, I want to put my own stamp on this, and I want to do it differently, and do this, and do that. And they don't, you know, they don't even really acknowledge the history that much. Well, I don't think that I don't think that you should ignore that kind of thing. I mean, you can still put your uh, merely by performing your own way, right? Uh, singing your own way, whatever, playing your own way, you're putting your own stamp on something. I mean, like uh, say we when we've done songs from the past, like you know the Chicago show doing uh, Blood of the Temple, and then we did Bed of Nails and Death Before Dishonor on Chaos. You sang them a lot differently than. Mm-hmm. A- I can't couldn't sing as high as the original guy either. I'm a baritone. <laughs> we can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I can talk in a higher register if you'd like. Okay, Steve Perry. We um, actually the original singer who did Blessing in the Skies. He was actually. He had a high scream, but his regular voice was more baritone. It was more growly. Hmm. If you really listen to that Blessing in the Sky stuff, and a lot of people didn't like it. I personally liked it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, the you know, well, and then there are always haters for vocals on every album by every band. Yeah. You know, there, I mean, Jeff one time had somebody say he didn't like his voice because it sounded too much like Dio. And like I sound nothing like Dio. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know where he got that at all. I'm like, you know, there, there there's no tonal qual, tonal quality. Nothing. Yeah, 
I don't get it. Yeah, I don't. I don't hear now, that either. Dio's an influence because who is? I mean, who doesn't he influence? Yeah, but but that's more in like uh, phrasing. Phrasing. Yeah, yeah. Who who were your vocal influences when you're starting out, Jeff? Oh, good lord! Um, I am like all over the place when it comes to like music that I like and what I listen to. Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid uh, I used to carry around this little red and silver transistor radio everywhere and I would listen to anything that came on it um, uh, but uh, so you know I've, I've listened to everything and still in my collection everything from classical to country to heavy metal to so so there's a lot of mixture in there I'm yeah. sure but if we're going to go with heavy metal folks um, you know there's there's a lot of Ronnie James Dio mm-hmm. um, the other guy that I just absolutely adore um, beyond anybody else would have been World Dane who was right. also a baritone, although you wouldn't have known it right. from those high notes he could hit. I got a question f- before you continue. Oh, yeah. Okay, so what do you think about Sanctuary performing without Worldane? Is that disrespectful to him? Because they do. No, I don't I don't believe so. No. Uh, they already are. I mean, I, yeah. I see, here's the... <sighs> Sanctuary was Lenny Rutledge and Worldane, in my opinion. Yeah. Lenny's still there. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't see it as any more disrespectful than um, any other band moving on. And, you know, it in the end, it will deter the market, the yeah. listeners will determine whether it continues that way or not. Yeah. Um, I hear the guy has done really well. I haven't gone to see a show yet. Yeah. Um, I do want to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the level of. The absolute level of thrill when Sanctuary came back mm-hmm. um, for the year the sun died mm-hmm. uh, for me was huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's arguably my, one of it's. You could argue on any given day that it may be my favorite band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think it's a. I don't think. I don't think. I think it would be a greater respect to continue to perform the songs for him. Yeah, than not. it would be. To like shelve it and go, we can't do this anymore. Okay, I know. Personally, if I th- the way I would want Jeff to continue this band, I would. I, I don't know that I could do that because without you, it's. I mean, really, honestly, the the musical sound of this band is you. I um, strange. <laughs> <laughs> he's not talking about the music. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> Everything is exclusive. Yeah. No, um, uh, because, I mean, yeah, we have similar, certain similar things, like it's seven and not eight. Uh, but I, I don't know that, I don't know that we could actually, it would become a cover band. Well, I'm just saying that if if <laughs> I was World Dane, I would be happy to see the band continue. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think the guy would have been ever upset about it. I only got to meet him once, hmm. um, but he seemed to be you know pretty well grounded, and uh, I don't think that uh, he would have been angry about it. Hmm. I, I don't know that. I didn't know him. Well, I'm very disappointed that 
Because at the time, I was like, you know, the guy's busy. I don't want to, like, really take up all his time. I'll get a chance to talk to him another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then just a few months later, the announcement came, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. All your guys are dead, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, they're all dying. I mean, Ronnie James Dio, Freddie Mercury, Warhol, Dane. I, I do. Chuck Billy is still here, so don't say that. Yeah. Um, he came close to not being. Yeah, don't say that. <laughs> well, thank, um, saying thank God that he that he's okay now. Yeah. Um. So yeah, as far as heavy metal goes, those are probably my. Big four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if I'm honest, there's a certain amount of Dave Mustaine in there too. The okay. snarl. Uh-huh. <laughs> I hear that the evil, especially sometimes you sing it live. I can hear the Dave Mustaine snarl. I don't think any. You know, most people I've I've mentioned it to. They they say they they don't get it. To me, I can hear it. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's in there somewhere too. I mean, there are little bits and pieces of lots of different people. I mean, I'm just I'm so eclectic that I don't think you can actually go. Although people do, people do say, "Oh, you sound like this." I've been told I sound like James Hetfield, and I'm like, I don't see that either. Um, that is probably in there somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, anybody who grew up in the time period who you know played, you know. Uh, master of puppets. Yeah, yeah. Nonstop, all day long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. Um, I don't. I can hear different elements in in your vocals, but I I don't think you. It doesn't sound like you don't. I wouldn't say you sound like anyone. You sound like you. And, and that's what I would hope for. Yeah. I, I don't want to be an imitation of anybody. Right. I'd rather just be me. Right. Right. And when you're an original band, I mean, I have the same deal. You know, I've tried to play cover songs, and I have a very hard time because I have a weird style, and I have problems playing other people's stuff, and other guitarists have problems playing my stuff. Yeah. Because I've got a weird timing. I I just do everything my own way. So, I mean, even if I was interested in joining, like, a tribute band, it wouldn't be happening. I couldn't do it. (laughs) So... That being said, Joe, what were like early on? What were your band influences when you started Axe Master, and and how about as far as guitar players who influenced you? Well, bands Sabbath with you know Dio Sabbath. When Dio joined Sabbath, it just it, it was huge for me. Um, you know, and then him going solo and that really getting into the Dio stuff, mm-hmm. you know, there was that I was, you know, into Maiden. I mean, earlier on, I had some different influences, like when I was in high school, some things that you can't really tell, like, like, you know, I actually started in rock and metal by love and kiss, mm-hmm. you know, old kiss. And, yeah. you know, I was like back you know, during back in black. And for those about to rock days, I was like this huge ACDC fan. Mm-hmm. But but you know then i started you know i was getting in starting to get into sabbath maiden you know dio when he went solo um i was i was well there was a lot of bands i was into just because of the guitar player like like i i always liked docking it's just mainly because i like george lynch yeah 
I, he was a big influence. Jakey Lee, of, when he was playing with Ozzy, was a big influence. Mm -hmm. Even though I don't sound like him and I can never play like him, some of the things, some little elements of what Ingve does, mm -hmm. you know, sweeps and things like that, that was influential. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Tony Iommi, even though, I mean, I, I kind of feel Tony Iommi is a kindred spirit because he's the same way. I can't see Tony Iommi playing cover songs. No, no, I agree. He's got such a unique style and, he, and I, his songwriting mm -hmm. was a lot more of an influence on me than his actual playing. Yeah. The use of flatted fifths and um, the way that, you know, the chord progressions would go. Some of that stuff he did back in the 70s and even late 60s had never been done before mm -hmm. in that in this kind of a style. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the flatted fifth was not really used that much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of things like, you know, I learned a lot of tapping from, from listening to Eddie Van Halen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things like that, but, oh, uh, God, how do I forget Shanker? Mm -hmm. Man, he was like a huge influence on me. I, I had the UFO Live album as a teenager, and I had to buy three different copies because I kept playing them out. <laughs> the vinyl was wearing out. Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. with the cheap-ass stereos I had. <laughs> it's a great band. What do you think of any more in UFO? Uh, it's different. Yeah. Vinny Moore's a great player. Yeah. It, I have a great Vinnie Moore story. But, but like, even like, uh, I saw UFO do an opener when, right after Shanker left, when they had Paul Chapman, who was Shanker's guitar tech. And Paul Chapman was on guitar. And I got a couple UFO albums with him on guitar. And I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was just different and not as cool to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and there was another guitar player in, in there before Vinnie Moore and after uh, Paul Chapman. I don't know his name. I had a live video they put out on, you know, back in the day on VHS that I had for a while. And great, great player, but still, it just didn't have that edge. Nobody else had that edge but Schenker. Yeah, yeah. Definitely has his own style. I, I just really want to tell the Vinnie Moore story. Okay, please. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. Right. For me, this is how I picture the man now. Um, uh, I I very much like uh, Dean. Oh, I'm uh, Dean Guitars. I'm a fan of, and he had his signature model with them. And some years ago, well, they do it most every year. Dean hosts an event in Florida for. Uh, their Dean Owners Association and various artists show up. and um, So the year that Vinnie Moore was there, uh, everybody, the party was at the K-Pox Center, which has this really low stage. I mean, the stage is maybe six inches high. Mm. And um, uh, <clears throat> so the band on stage was playing a UFO song. I don't remember which one it was. What I do remember is hearing this this holler from the back of the room, and Vinnie Moore goes barreling past me, <laughs> drops to the ground in like a rock slide, slides all the way to the all the way to the stage, ends up with his feet up against this six inch high stage, with his legs spread out like a V, throwing the horns in the air, sitting on his butt and banging his head. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome i'm like okay vinny's cool <laughs> uh, their bass player pete way 
live. He was at a little club in Cleveland. And it was kind of funny because everybody in the club wanted him to play Lights Out. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have it on their set list. And they just tried to play it. They didn't even know how. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> Actually, I think that might have been the song. <laughs> Actually, P. Way's guitar player was from Columbus, and he had a real Euro feel, kind of like Shanker. But, I mean, it was funny because they didn't, it was obvious that they didn't really even know the song, had never rehearsed it. But they're like, everybody's chanting, so let's play Lights Out. It's uh, E to G flat, isn't it? Yeah, let's play it. <laughs> <laughs> Very strange. I, I I think that because, you know, Pete Way recently passed away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was thinking about that show because I met him and talked to him a little while. He seemed like an all right guy. So... I guess to either of you guys or both, as musicians and as fans, do you guys embrace technology or is it a necessary evil? Both. Both, yeah. I mean, some technology is great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the ability to record anywhere you go is awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I think... Uh, but you know, there's the other hand. The, on the other hand, too, which you, you may be uh, intimating that you know, streaming services and downloads oh, and everything like that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm not a big fan there. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, that's a that's a a place where you know, because when it originally, so when Napster originally came out, I, I at that time I thought, wow, this is just like high tech tape trading. We used to do that back in the day all the time. That's how a lot of bands got their name around. Yeah, you know, so high-tech tape trading, great. Lots of bands will have the opportunity to, you know. And so I was at that at that time, because I was short-sighted, <laughs> um, like everybody else, uh, you know, I thought Metallica was being, you know, way too asshole-ish yeah. about it you know because this <laughs> yeah. is how you got your start too you know right. Tape trading right right but but uh but really i mean that has led to the whole degradation of you know if you're not already a big band it is really hard to break into that yeah i mean even making the even making the big bands that are coming out now you know the real like you know the like the black keys are huge but mm. i am sure that's not just because they're awesome. Mm -hmm. It's it's because the record label that signed them pumped lots of money into that advertisement. Right, yeah. Yeah, well, actually, um, you know, what, what I always thought about Napster was, you know, the bands that were trying to break in, they, they actually got a little benefit out of it. The bands that were really huge... I don't feel sorry if somebody has a hundred million dollars and they lose a hundred thousand in sales. I'm sorry. It doesn't really break my heart. You know? I do. It bothers me. <laughs> are the ones that are in the middle who are trying to make a career out of it and they're just able to just eke a career, eke enough money out of it to be able to just play music. Those are the bands that it just killed. Yeah. 
But when so, I'm talking about, you know, technology being, you know, necessarily necessary evil, I was kind of really talking on the production side. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, and really to me, uh, it's not so much the technology, it's how it's used. Yeah. Because I, you know, so uh, you've got you've got to have it, it, you have to draw a fine line production wise, and I'm speaking, you know, as the guy who doing the producing here. It, it's a fine line between yes, you want to use everything that's available to you at your disposal, but you don't want to go too far. Right. Right. You don't want to be minimalist, but you don't want to be extremist either. You want to hit right down the middle, you know, take a little bit from here, a little bit from there, but don't overuse it. So many times in production, shit is just overused. Yeah, yeah. Over yeah when it comes to that, when it comes to that, you know, uh, overproduction can, I mean, really ruin a sound. Yeah. And... Make it get stagnant and sterile. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, auto tune now, even if you're not doing the stuff um, (laughs) where it's fluctuating all over the place. uh, We hate that. Making a decision to change (laughs) this note a little bit just so it fits within the. People do that all the time. Yeah. You lose the character of uh, of the note. That yeah. was produced by the individual, yeah, or the or the guitar, yeah, um, as opposed to uh, just letting it be, yeah. I mean, mistakes, mistakes, and errors, and uh, are are part of that recording process that sometimes become the greatest parts. Yeah, like okay, uh, what's the? There's a song on Master of Puppets, I think. I can't remember what song it is, but there's this really high note at the end of one of Kirk's solos. It's an amazing note. It sends shivers up everybody's spine. It can never be duplicated mm-hmm. because his string got caught on a on a fret, and he's playing that note mm-hmm. above one of the pickups, not even on the neck. <laughs> but it's an amazing note, and mm-hmm. everybody is like, "Oh, that sounds so cool." <laughs> but, but but if they had you know changed it, it yeah. was a happy mistake. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Well, we had a couple of those on overture. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of those happy mistakes on overture. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so much on chaos. Um, you know, and really, overture versus chaos production-wise, you know, is kind of a good example because, to me. The production quality of Overture is not nearly as good as it is on Crawling Chaos. But to me, there's also a little bit more feeling overall on the production on Overture. You know, it, to, that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I what I am really striving for with this new album is to cut right in between the two. You know, give it better clarity than Overture, but more just rawness than what's on Chaos. I think Chaos is a, maybe a little too polished for my taste production-wise. Songs, a whole nother matter. I'm just a very, very, since I've started producing, I'm very, very technical and picky about everything. 
Mm-hmm. You can ask Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I think he goes hearing blind sometimes because he stays up too long. Yeah. Ear fatigue? Uh, trying to... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've learned from that, brother. <laughs> because, because if you talk talking about chaos at that time, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Yeah, I was I I was trying everything to try to figure out you know what to do. Now I overture or well, yeah. not not chaos overture. We're overture, yeah. yeah. I you know I'm so much. I have so much better equipment, and I'm so much better prepared knowledge-wise to do to do like uh, the ultimate job if you want to say that i mean there's never such a thing as the ultimate perfect thing you know everybody's going to have some criticism somewhere but i have i i really feel confident that this one is going to be just what i want with more rawness and chaos but more polished than overture i think for me that's the goal I'm I'm shooting for production wise. All right, let's take a break and listen to a couple X Master songs. All right. First up we're gonna hear ten thousand pound hammer. And then we're gonna go into thirty pieces of silver. <laughs> Divided 
So Joe, I think you touched on this earlier, but can you tell us about the changes of band names over the years and the motivation behind putting Dream or Nightmare on Overture as a song title? Pardon me, I'm sorry I didn't catch the end of that. No, the the song Dream or Nightmare showing up on Overture for Madness as a song title when it was a, a band name yeah. in the past, right? Uh Oh yeah, see see actually the name Dreamer Nightmare, I was good my plan was to do a solo album okay. back in like two thousand. And the solo album was gonna be a concept album called Dreamer Nightmare, which was supposed to be one one thing in life that is at times the greatest and at times the worst thing in your life. Mm-hmm. 
but and it, it had a personal connotation to me i don't want to go into what it was okay but um then when we actually formed a band um i, I just said well i only just name it dreamer nightmare and it stuck and what's funny is is the band fell apart because i quit it was my band it was my name and i quit <laughs> um but when we did overture i told i told jeff i was like you got to do a song called dreamer nightmare <laughs> and i i liked the concept mm -hmm. and uh uh so yeah i wrote it <laughs> nice well it's a good song definitely thank you yeah thank you so how 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 would you say the ideology of the band has has changed over the years since you started it if at all well, there's two things. One thing is vocally and lyrically, Jeff has put his stamp on it in a way that no other singer has. In fact, this is the first time that Axe Master has had multiple releases with the same singer, unless you count Blessing and that single that shaped Picture Disc Overture. Um, Overture, I mean the vision, the shape Picture Disc, the vision. Um, you know, so vocally and lyrically, it's very different. Um, as far as music is concerned, just as I got older, I got into heavier shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, most people start mellowing when they get older. I start getting into machine head. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I mean, I didn't even get into Slayer until, until later on. Mm -hmm. I, you know, and now it's a huge influence for me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the music has gotten heavier Yeah. as time went on. Even if you look at the three releases, Blessing, then Death Before Dishonor, then Five Demons. Five Demons compared to, to Blessing was very, very different. It was so much heavier. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to Overture, it's even heavier still. And this album is going to be heavy. I, I'm really looking forward to getting my teeth into this. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, we've, uh, or I should say Joe has demoed 13 songs. Nice. Wow. Uh, actually, uh, it's kind of funny because um, the 13th was a couple of riffs that I came up with and asked him to put it together because I was have trouble with it <laughs> so so if they're so lucky number 13 uh i think is a is a is a good uh a good number for this album i think we, i hope to use them all I, yeah well i was thinking about dropping one but you know that's just a personal thing you know i i i it was be something i would have well, we'll see with everybody there's one particular song i was thinking about dropping but if you guys really dig the song you know we won't i was just thinking that that you know as i said that maybe that should be the title lucky 13. Oh, god like there's it. so many bands have done 13. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are so many albums. There are so many albums now that have been called Thirteen. I think. It, Let's but, call yeah. it Nine. Three times four. Okay. Or wait. Yeah, three three times four plus one. <laughs> well, there you go. Hey, I can do basic math. <laughs> So, how did you guys hook up with uh, Pure Steel Records? 
But when when I originally was going to bring the original lineup back, I mean, it was funny because I was still in Dreamer Nightmare, and I was and I said okay, and I made an announcement. And like these record companies, I had like two small record companies within a day saying, you bring Ashmaster back, we'll sign you. I mean, they were really small companies, you know, but still it's like, wow. You yeah. know, and that's the reason why I brought it back to stay in 2010. But um, I just went through, you know, and you got to figure at the time, even though we had a name, we hadn't put it, nothing new had came out by Axemaster since 91. There have been like three re-releases, but nothing brand new. And, you know, a couple of those re-releases had some previously unreleased material on it. But, you know, nothing new. So, I mean, we had some pull because of the name and the fact that we were already known and had a fan base mainly in Europe. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the fact that it had been so long kind of lessened our ability to you know attract attention and um the one company that i was interested in at the time was pure steel you know i i do all the promotion for the band well not all of it but a good deal of it and uh you know i did a lot of research and you know there was like smog veil records out of greece but i was you know a little bit not unsure because at the time the Greek economic system or you know, as a country was in such bad shape. I didn't know what to expect from a Greek company, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, all of the companies that showed interest in us were from Europe. Um, but it just seemed like Pure Steel could do the most for us at the time, given that we didn't have as much pull as say we would now. Um because i mean it's kind of cool because when we bring this back we got like you know 20 people who are 20 years old and people that are 60 65 who remember us from back in the 80s that are fans which is really pretty cool yeah yeah you know and that's why in the bio it says it spans two generations which yeah like i said i think that's pretty cool but you know pure steel at the time was the one that showed the most interest that i thought could do the most for us at the time and we had a little help from a from a great friend of mine from austria who knows everybody who is everybody in underground metal in europe and you know i think there was kind of pause because they didn't like the fact that i was doing the album uh actually my friend said that they had never put out an album before that a band had actually produced themselves oh huh. interesting yeah and and they they didn't like that but they went ahead and you know gave us you know gave us a three album deal we're now going to be doing our third album from for them so you know it, and i mean it's worked out good that's great yeah that's cool so what's the plan for the upcoming album as far as formats formats um how do, what i are you pressing player? vinyl is it streaming only oh, that's all on pure steel hmm. oh, okay uh, we did that one re-release that was an uh that was a double vinyl yep mm -hmm. um which is something i really pushed for and one thing i love about pure steel is they will actually listen to bands ideas and what they want 
which that was one thing that, and that's one thing I've really liked about them. I was pleading with them to make a two album because I wanted over, I wanted Five Demons on it. So I love that album and it just never got listened to like I thought it deserved. Yeah. And in the end, they went ahead and did 19 songs. And they've said that, you know, if a CD sells enough that they will consider doing vinyl. But now I read something the other day that worldwide for 2020 vinyl has actually outsold CDs. Yeah. You, know, you know, I got to be honest, we don't buy CDs anymore. We only buy vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's actually coming that way in this country, too. Uh, the it really started in Europe. People like you know five six years ago were like you know we want vinyl. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's only been in the last year or two that it's really came coming in the states too, which is usually what happens with especially like metal music. Something that goes over big in Europe yep. eventually makes its way here. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of drives me nuts though how expensive vinyl is now. Yeah, I mean because it, it used to be. It used to be growing up that you know vinyl was it was seven ninety eight. <laughs> so yeah, seven dollars ninety eight cents. When CDs came out, I didn't buy CDs. Right? CDs were eighteen bucks, right. twenty bucks. Sure. Forget that. Now it's just now I have now if I want a vinyl album, you know, I, I, I'm spending forty dollars. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and a CD is ten. Right. That's <laughs> so true. I still continue to buy CDs, but mm -hmm. uh, I do buy vinyl when it's something like super special. Yeah. Uh, like uh, uh, I bought some small company. I bought a vinyl recently on, you know, colored vinyl because it's Black Sabbath with Rob Halford. Mm. Really? Nice. And I've yeah, never heard I was that. like, okay, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He performed like one or two shows with them huh. uh, live. So it's a lot. And I'm not a big fan of live albums, but right. I wanted to have Rob Halford singing with you, uh, singing with Black Sabbath. Yeah, that's cool. Um, in my collection, so yeah. That's cool. And yeah. his collection is massive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the authority. Anytime I have <laughs> little subgenres or any band, this is the man I come to. I, I'm doing, uh, I did this once back when we first met, and uh, I'm doing it again uh, to give you an idea of what he's talking about, um, where I listen to everything in my collection from A to Z. Mm. Um, I'm on day 137, and I entered the letter L. Mm. <laughs> wow, <laughs> damn. That's uh, impressive. <laughs> we go to festivals, and he comes out with CDs every band that played there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, I, I, you know, this guy's got so much money tied up in his music collection, it's not funny. <laughs> yeah we feel that <laughs> nice one thing i love about like metal music metal bands musicians is they're all like super fans so like they're as supportive as much as they love their own band they're supportive of other bands and they're true and fans. that's not the way it technically really used to be yeah yeah i mean back in like the 80s bands were like cutthroat on each other yeah yeah but now we play and all the bands want to help each other. Yeah, that's great. Really I think is. maybe something to have to do with, you know, after after the grunge thing and all that, you know, metalheads were kind of thought down on. Yeah. 
and you know it's kind of brought us all together yeah. at this point yeah. i think it, i think that was a major factor you know it's like it's like band together because we're under attack <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, yeah and the bands are great especially when we've played with other pure steel bands oh yeah there is a uh uh it's not as intense as it was like the first few years uh of this but um there was this uh and we were actually part of it there's this thing called the pure steel brotherhood which is um the pure steel bands supporting each other and being friends and whatnot and it started here in akron um because oh let's see who was uh it was us wretch sunless uh, probably sunless sky um i can't remember it was somebody else i'd have to look at the show flyer again was it what vatican no i don't no. think Va vatican hadn't signed at the time oh okay. uh, anyway and george neal from halloween who's my big brother not really but i like to call him my big brother because he's bigger than me <laughs> <laughs> um came he and his wife came down and because uh, i was like i'll buy your hotel room if you come down and like join us so he came down and uh uh came to the show and that night uh, we all took this picture at the end. It's it's a really cool picture. It's in black and white. And, uh, it's with everybody on the stage at the Empire. And uh, and then George uh, did a, who is like a, a Photoshop jokester, Photoshopped this idea of the Pure Steel Brotherhood just as an, uh, a thing. And then the record company and all the bands seized on it and it's been there it's a cool idea i really yeah. like the idea that yeah there's this brotherhood within the within the even the the label yeah that's yeah, cool and the thing is within this tri-state area really you know going from uh kind of from akron up to cleveland to detroit there are like six pure steel bands that's cool you know there's wretch there's sunless sky there's halloween there's us there's vatican I believe Destructor was on the label f at least for a while, weren't they? They they had uh, I don't think Destructor itself was. They had a side project called Vulgar Devils, which was on the Pure oh. Rock imprint of Pure Steel. Yeah, so I mean, there there's always a lot of bands, and like uh, um, Juan Ricardo. I always want to call him Juan Rivera. Juan Ricardo, <laughs> the singer, he has a similar voice. The singer from, uh, originally he was just with Sunless Sky, and then he was a replacement singer with the band Wretch. He started doing a Pure Steel festival that, well, it actually started out as Hollow Fest for the band Sleepy Hollow that we played at in Delaware a couple of times. And uh, it got brought to Cleveland because Steve Stegg said there was really nowhere for metal bands to play in Delaware. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Juan took it over and made it into something pretty cool. It's too bad you know, they couldn't have it this year for obvious reasons. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we played at it like, like God, if you count Hallowfest, probably, what, four times? I think there was... Yeah, just, we've only missed one. Yeah, we missed one year. Other than that, we played it every time. 
And I mean, it was really cool. And it's easy to find pure steel bands because they're all over the place <laughs> around here. That's cool. Yeah, pretty much all over the place everywhere at this point. Yeah. Um, people come, people fly in from Chicago, or not Chicago, uh, California and New York even. Uh, was, uh, the Legion is in New York, aren't they? I'm not sure where they're at. Um, but I know that one uh, progressive metal band, they were from like New Jersey. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I, I keep forgetting their name. Great band. Great band. Hold on. I can look it up. Uh, yeah, it's uh, maybe looking through P right now. <laughs> Their guitar player is one of these guys that is so incredibly good that you watch him and you say, okay, I quit. <laughs> Psychoprism. I mean, Psychoprism, yes. Yeah. God, they are a great band. I'm not a huge progressive guy, but that is a great band. We'll check them out, definitely. They did some weird... I, I, I don't know if I like it or not. It's a cover of Another Thing Coming. Huh. Yeah, we'll check them out, definitely. It's very different. The, I mean, it does not sound like the original. Hey, this is kind of off topic, but did you guys happen to um, go to that Loud in Lima festival that happened in Ohio a few years back? <laughs> Loud in no. I didn't. I never even heard of it. So it was like a one-off festival, and they were supposed to do it every year, but it was like a hair metal festival. Yeah. And we Probably. rented of it <laughs> we rented a car and it was probably one of the best festivals we ever went to yeah, but i'm sure the promoters lost like a shit ton of money yeah it was fun well that is that is actually the problem with um festivals now you have to go into it with backing and plan on it being a loss for at least the first two years mm -hmm. yeah um and you're not going to make money until you establish it and really start a huge draw. Because they're, they're, it used to be much cheaper to run a festival because, okay, there was no building fees to pay. There was like, there were differences. Um, but now, you know, with further, <laughs> I say this, but, you know, it is really the laws and standards that have changed that. Now there's, uh, you know, you can't have Woodstock anymore where yeah. people just show up. Yeah. You have to pay for the, pay for the liabilities and then make sure that you, you honestly have enough of everything to provide a safe experience. It's all legal. Yep. Licensing. Um, so I, it's I, hard. I recently heard uh, the um, metalhead I was talking to, this girl from Michigan, saying that they were having this huge metal fest way out in the woods where, like, nobody could, like, come and say, you need to social distance. I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if it's going off or not, but she was telling me about it. It's like, wow, how the hell they get out there? If they advertised it, that'll probably be a problem. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know if they were just like taking generators out in the middle of the woods, but she said, yeah, it's going to be so far out of the way that nobody's going to screw with us. Hmm. 
I don't, you know. Be so far out of the way, nobody will show up. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long since people have seen live music. I know. You know, I mean, I mean, there are shows here and there, but there, you know. And for somebody who's really into live music, there has been next to nothing for how long? Uh, yeah, Way since February, yeah. March. March 13th here was our last yeah. show. <laughs> but who's counting? Yeah, right. I, oh, not me. <laughs> We've actually yeah, tagged no. on to like band practices just so we yeah. can get some like live yeah. metal in our system. Yeah, and that was cool. wasn't attending as many shows as I used to even before this but you had the enforced thing yeah but you know with the enforced I don't even have the choice to go that is that is insane it's just I mean I get it I, I get it but at the same time you know we are all we're all gonna eventually like snap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I had a question about Axe Master songs in Killer Nerd and Metal Maniac, and how uh, how did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Killer Nerd was fun. It was cool. We played. They had all the. It was done locally here. And they had all the bands play at a club up in Cleveland for the premiere of the movie, and it was all really cool and all that. You know, it was direct-to-video. The Metal Maniac thing was more... wasn't even direct-to-video. It was more of a thing where it was taken around to independent um, film festivals Yeah. and played there. Metal Maniac is a very, very interesting concept it was about a band that all died in a in when their uh van crashed except for one guy and the guy dug up all the band members and made the metal maniac who was like a frankenstein of all the band members and he went around killing posers <laughs> i'm intrigued i was actually <laughs> she told me i could actually be in the movie as one of the posers that got killed but it never ended up happening <laughs> Well, I want to see this now. I'm intrigued. It's on YouTube. <laughs> if you go to YouTube, the last, when I first saw it there was a few years ago, it was in sections, mm -hmm. but all the all the sections were on YouTube of it. Hmm. Well, I'm going to have to look at that. I'm curious. Killer Nerd <laughs> is an interesting movie with a very good concept that wasn't done up to its potential. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I, uh, I, I keep hoping that, you know, uh, we get into another movie now that I'm in the band. Yeah. Because I want, I, I you know, if, if we make some money on it, that'd be great. But I, I want to be able to say, okay, I want, I want it to be a horror film and I want to die in it. <laughs> I would love to have somebody offer me a, a death scene in a film. Well, what um, well, we were talking to the guys about the uh, Axe Giant movie. Yeah, uh, I don't know that'll ever happen, but yeah. it, it would be really cool. Uh, the guys who made Axe Giant, which is the horror movie based around the legend of Paul Bunyan. Mm. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's worth it. it I mean, it's yeah. not a good movie, it's but it's a fun movie. <laughs> it is It is really, 
but it's a typical like horror film mm -hmm. from uh, you could picture it being made you know in the early days of horror movies teenagers um, but woods. yeah um but the idea was to do axe giant 2 and put axe master in it and mm. i have this great image in my head of you know because they were saying you know the band could be playing a, a show in the woods and the axe giant comes up and kills him and i have this image in my head of i would love for this moment to exist in in the movie where you know uh, everybody starts running away and we turn around and see the axe giant behind us and i just get to say Oh my God, that's metal. And then we die. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you have a, so, yeah. a music video in your future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, I, I, I made our first for Overture to Madness. Um, I, 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 I've done some acting here and there, not you know in any major, major way, but uh, I edited together and created the video for uh, Sanity's Requiem. Oh, okay, cool. Nice, yeah. Um, th there is a creative spark in me in a lot of different areas. Um, I have cool. an idea for uh, one of the songs for uh, the next album, which I hope we'll get to film, too. Lucky but, uh, 13. Which one are you thinking? <laughs> oh, uh, the, if we the get trilogy? to film... No, if we get to film uh, uh, Murder of Crows... Oh yeah! I bought I bought all those uh, uh, plague doctor masks for yeah, use in a video in hopes that we would do it. Another song, but yeah, Murder of Crows would be a great one. And I mean, I'm in really good with the people who did Ten Thousand Pound Hammer. I still talk to them. Cool. You know, yeah, I'd like uh, to. They were good. I, I, I had this idea that we could do a. a performance piece with uh no no vision visually never seen our faces in uh using the plague doctor theme oh nice that is quite a <laughs> history oh that's cool yeah well that's what the song is actually <laughs> about like, were you were you talking about like naming the album the plague walks among us was that it yeah something like that but you know, i always have ideas that like pop around you know Oh, when we did Overture to Madness, and we were wondering what to call it, and I wrote out like fifty different titles, and we all talked about them. <laughs> I love that title. Uh, and, and and as strange as it ends up, the cover that I came up with ends, ended up being right with that theme, with the violin and the old book and that type of thing. Right. Yeah. That was so a yeah. Big. Yep. Coincidence. So yeah, I. I I have lots of little. I have lots of ideas when it comes to like filming, and I mean that's. It's not directly what I went to school for. Uh, what I went to school for was communications and mass media. So I've actually done filming and things like that since actually high school. Um, there was the first thing I think I actually. I wrote it. I, I participated. In, I, there were two of us that wrote it. I got shuffled off um, into obscurity on this one. I eventually only got a credit for being a cameraman. <laughs> <laughs> but there was this. There was this. Uh, the first thing that I actually did, as far as like film goes, uh, was in high school. There was this uh, contest nationwide for high schools to film a music video about 
orange juice for the Florida orange juice growers or oh, something man. like that. <laughs> I haven't and, heard. Uh, oh, this is, I uh, haven't told you this yet? Okay. Yeah. I don't even know if the video still exists. I'm sure it does somewhere. But uh, I helped, so there were two of us who sat down and wrote this concept. Um, but the idea was that uh, our our hero accidentally leaves his orange in his locker at lunchtime. And he's being tempted by, you know, candy dealers. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the cool part. The cool part is that the locker... Uh, that the orange is alive and it comes to save him. <laughs> um, and and we didn't have CGI and we didn't have, you know, but essentially what we did is we got uh, one of our seniors who was a funny guy uh, to put uh, essentially a green screen around his face. We cut out a hole in a green screen and painted his, painted his face white so it would and then we used a projector and we would hold it up and project the face on the orange. Huh. Man, <laughs> you're talking about the antithesis to attack of the killer tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. So, so we project the face on the orange and we uh, dubbed the, dubbed the words and, but there were all kinds of, we, we did our own special effects. Like uh, there's a scene where the, where the orange goes, tearing past you on the floor and it's a close-up so you don't see the whole you know you're throwing the orange and rolling it in directions just like you see them do in movies now that's funny um then and behind the scenes stuff where there are balls and things like that um but in this scene you know we rolled the orange really fast and lit the lighter fluid behind it so it you know burned to flame as it goes by (laughs) 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 that was a lot of fun so that's like the first thing i did as far as that goes but yeah i've done video and acting and things here and there that's cool (laughs) that's funny Um, so yes i i I, there are videos in our future (laughs) that was a long (laughs) tangent for that That's I mean, cool. in this in this day and age in music, an album has to have at least one video associated with it that, that's somewhat professionally done. Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about like the promo videos I make. We're using Windows Movie Maker, you know, something, <laughs> something, something more <clears throat> along the professional side where it can actually be considered an official video. Yeah, yeah. So, Joe, how did you end up with Jag Panzer's recording interface? <laughs> you can tell that it's actually Jeff's interface. Oh, really? Uh, when did you learn? When did you learn about this? Oh, we do uh, our research. <laughs> Joe told us. Um, okay, I uh, I met Mark Briotti from Jag Panzer through the Dean Owners Association years ago. Uh-huh. And uh, he's a really good guy. I like to do it an awful lot. He's he is really solid, and uh, uh, I love his stories too. Uh, but uh, they he upgraded everything. Um, they had recorded at least three albums with this thing, and he was upgrading to a new system and having uh, a studio built in his basement and. Uh, and at the time, I was like, you know, 
needing an interface. So I bought it. Hmm. <laughs> and it sat and, there. Uh, and it sat here. It, it sat here in the basement in its box. And I've never used it. And I always felt bad. I would walk by it and I'm like, you know, I, I still have never set up a recording platform for that. And uh, so when we were talking about recording this album i was like you know and and the various inputs that we would need and uh we might need you know for drums and everything i like, well i've got this you know interface joe we should figure out a way to use it <laughs> actually jeff you don't know this but it it's so damn good that that you did because the interface that I have that we used for Overture and Chaos recording vocals and guitar does not work right with my new audio software. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, so this one here, I mean, is be, you know has become essential because of that. Nice. So yeah, it's FireWire. I don't even know if anybody's using anymore. But, yeah, it was you know, state was of the, the art. The height of coolness. It was state of the, of the art and fifteen years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so when when are you guys going to be playing in Rochester? <laughs> oh, that's meant to be happened so many times at this point. <laughs> yeah, there were at least three, there were at least twice we were supposed to play in Rochester at the Bug Jar, mm -hmm. and because of because of shitty promoters, it didn't end up happening. Like one of them is not sure that is being like a week before or a couple days beforehand. Yeah, this is not the bug jar's fault in any no. way, shape, or form. No, not so let's in the established that has nothing to do with them. <laughs> no, it, um, it, it was they were the very nice who were, put, who were trying to put mini tours together. Uh -huh. And uh, I mean, I mean, those guys, you know. Oz and Steve, I mean, they're great guys. I hung yeah. out with them this summer in Rochester. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love them to death. And we were both, we were, all three of us were saying, you know, we got to get Axe Master into the bug jar. Yeah. You know, but of course, all that's on hold right now. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, whenever you guys come, we'll be there. Well, thank you. All right. Definitely. I've got a lot of friends there. You know, I mean, I can guarantee that we would have probably a better crowd in Rochester than any out-of-state gig we would play at this point, just mm -hmm. because I have a lot of friends out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Be a great show. I've never even been to the Bug Jar. Just heard about it. You're going to love pictures. it. You're going to love I it. I know Steve is their main booker. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to love it. I, I've seen pictures. Is it as small as it looks? It's small. It's but pretty it, small. But it, it's a great place. Yeah. It's cool. Small is not necessarily bad. No. Look at the <laughs> yeah. The Empire only holds, what, is it 125? No, it's uh, one, I think 184. Because they, they have that promotion that they do. It's a 184 concert experience because, you know, you get to see something cool but not have, you know, 10 million people. <laughs> uh, I saw, Star. you know who Starry Olsa is? Starry Ulsa? I do not. I don't either. Uh, they are from the... Uh, they are of Cyrillic origin. Um, uh, you can find them online. Uh, they play all traditional um, 
really old instruments. I want to say Victorian, but it's not even Victorian. It's pre-Victorian instruments. Um, and they do a lot of really folky stuff and everything. But they're, you can find them online playing Led Zeppelin. Huh. And and I think some Metallica songs and things like that. Um, I got to see them at the Empire. And because it's a small, you know, they, they don't speak any English except for one guy. Huh. <laughs> and um, uh, and they just happen to be coming through. But he has the one, I think it's the 184 concert experience where they, that's all the number of tickets that they sell for any given show. Yeah, I mean, it, that was great playing with Cloven Hoof there. Yeah. I like playing there all the time. Eric is yeah. a really solid guy. Maybe it is once. It is one seventy-five. It's not one eighty-four. It's one seventy-five. Yeah, because the place we're talking about is one of the cleanest, most well-kept clubs. Maybe the cleanest and most well-kept club I've ever played in. Um, well, you know, great he, sound, great stage for its size. You know, there's nothing about it that I don't like, really. Yeah, I mean, he's always looking for a way to make his uh, his customer experience better. You know, like he was all thrilled when you know he started. <laughs> he put beer hangers in the bathroom. Oh, that's a good so idea. That if you're using the urinal, you could set your beer in one of those hangers. That's and not a have great to idea. About it. That's a, that's a <laughs> so, problem. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was the, the one time I, right after I was right after he had done that, I was there. He was like, "Did you see what was in the bathroom?" <laughs> That's a good like, idea. No, what was in the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys have any plans for shows coming up, festivals, anything like that? We had, we had stuff booked all summer long, and it all got canceled because of COVID. Yeah. yeah. Um, which broke my heart. I just... Especially you know, at Mason's Fest. Yeah. Uh, Mason's Metal Fest, and um, and th then there was Full Terror Assault that we were going to go do, and uh, everything just yeah. The they COVID, tried COVID it. They kept they kept that Full Terror Assault going on by a by a thread for the longest time until their headliners their headliners um, opted out because of COVID. So mm -hmm. they had to just look for next year. You know, right now we we require a drummer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have a guy, uh, a guy, the guy who recorded Denny, who recorded with us the last album, mm -hmm. but he's doing it for us as a hired gun, as opposed to uh, a full member of the band, which I love him for because he's 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 doing other things, and so he's taking time to do that for us, and that's amazing. Well, and it's not right. only that, but he's obviously putting a lot of time and effort into it because what he's come up with for the first two songs was just absolutely perfect. I did not want him to change a thing. I couldn't hear how the drums for that those two songs could have been any better than what he did, what he's put together. So, I mean, he's not just playing the songs and say, okay, you know, here it is. He's actually working and putting the time into it like he was a band member. But me and Denny have known each other since we were like three years old. You know, we played, we played Little League Baseball together. You know, so, I mean, he really... I mean, we're close, so I don't think he would do that for most people. So, when are people going to be able to hear the new the new album or or, or track off of it? 
children's lord. What's that? It's going to be a while. A while. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're really not past. We're really not past the demoing phase very much. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been writing some lyrics, but until uh, until those songs come become more complete, and we make decisions about, you know, maybe we rearrange some things, arrangement within yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I, I won't finish lyrics. And uh, it's it's going to be a bit. <laughs> yeah, and we probably will uh, promotionally let you know an early mix or of a song or two go. You know, like we did for Overture with the festivals with uh, Christian Clemente, Bruder Clee. We mm-hmm. burned CDs of like three or four. Uh, early mixes and masters and he went around and gave them to people at all the big European festivals yeah, which is funny because now that is on Discogs as a yeah. release which it was never really a release hmm. we don't even have copies <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, mean, I have I, it was just a, all a promo thing and we'll probably do something with one or two songs just to, you know, an, an advanced mix just to give an idea of what the flavor of the album is going to be. But, you know me, I'm a perfectionist. And if, it, if I think that it's going to take some time to get right, I take the time and try to get it right. Yeah, that's good. I'd rather have it good than quick. Right, yep. At this point, I'm kind of hoping for like a 2021 release, but or at least it'd be finished by. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. we're approaching the end of the year, so I don't know. <laughs> well, with the new software, the new computer and all that, I'm going to be able to get this stuff done much faster than I have in the past. Um, something that might have taken me two hours before probably will take me a half an hour now. Okay. So that's the bright that that's the glass half full. Nice. Well, if you have any teasers along the way that you uh, want to put out, we'll definitely be playing them. If you, if you yeah, right us. now all I have is all the guitar to a metronome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, some bass. Yeah. I you know when I've come up with bass parts, I went ahead and threw a bass track down. Yeah. But um, you know they're not they're, you know no vocals no bells and whistles just basically so that the drummer has something to record to yeah and and like you know chris has something that he can practice to you know that type of thing i know jeff doesn't like to you know do final vocals until he hears what the flavor of the song's going to be with the drums yeah yeah i i will tell you this though if just a teaser um uh, if you liked Sanity, uh, Sanity's Requiem and Crawling Chaos, uh, the song, well, Sanity's Requiem was off Overture to Madness, yeah. and Crawling Chaos is off of Crawling Chaos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, those were, uh, as far as like, uh, I, I wanted to do this since I wrote the second one, but the, the first song, Sanity's Requiem, was influenced by H.P. Lovecraft. Mm. Then I was like, well, you know, I can write another one of those. So I did. And for me, uh, there's going to be a third one on the new album. uh, Because there were three original 
stories in H.P. Lovecraft's Cthulhu Mythos trilogy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there will be so there will be another one on this new album, and Definitely. I feel like I will have completed the circle. Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, that's and cool. We only, Jet, we only have a real name for one song. Yeah, right now I'm calling that trilogy, but I don't think that'll stick. Um, I've written it all uh, lyrically. It'll depend on uh, how the song actually finishes out, how whether how I tweak it. Um, but yeah, right now there's only one song that has an official name, and that's "Murder of Crows." Cool, cool. Um, we just actually the last song we listened to before we talked to you guys was "Sanity's Requiem." I like that song. That's a great song, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it turned out really good. That was that was the song off that off of Overture that I was trying to make all the other songs sound like. <laughs> it's a great song. Well, thank you. Yeah. You know, I mean on on Overture and another thing that took so much time like on Overture was honestly the drum tracks that I got were garbage sound wise. I, you know, I I had to do, you know, with having little experience, I had to do the best I could at polishing a turd. <laughs> and I think it came out really, really well, but it yeah. took a long time to get it there. Yeah, that sounds great. Denny is going to be recording his drums at his house where he has just invested a ton of money into mics and recording software. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's he's doing tracks for Ripper Owens there, recording them there. Mm, nice. And I've heard the song. It's a great song. He can't release it because, you know, he's in KK's Priest. Yeah. They were just, you know, it was just, I think it was just kind of a fun, hey, I got this song, let's record it. You know, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. But it's a great song. It really is. It is, the I think, the best song that he's done since Priest that I've heard. Of all the stuff Ripper's done, this is one awesome tune. Cool. And uh, but you know he's I'm going to be getting quality drum tracks out of the box, nice. so that's going to save so much time. Yeah, definitely. This album are going to be done properly with the proper equipment, software, and gear. Whereas you know even even crawling chaos even though it was not mixed and mastered here uh a a guy named rick fuller um recorded drums and bass and uh mixed and mastered it but i was there for the whole thing was kind of more of a collaborative effort at least idea wise and but you know still recording guitar recording vocals and all that for even crawling chaos was not done properly because I did not have the proper software, computer, all that to be able to do it properly. Now I do. It still turned out well. It turned out really well. But it, I had to jump through hoops to make it that way. Um, this one, I am not going... I mean, all indications are... You know, I don't want to jinx myself. But all indications are, for the first time, I'm going to actually produce an album in a proper way. And I'm looking so forward to it. So we are we. too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> well, we can't wait to hear it. Neither can I. So, in closing, do you guys want to talk about anything else? Mention anything else? Promote anything? 
Well, I always, you know, want to look, you know, promote our website and our Facebook page. Okay. Because believe it or not, hits and friends on a band's Facebook page are something that promoters look at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, every almost everything we do is Axe Master official. The okay. website, the Facebook page, Twitter. The only thing that's not, I think, is YouTube. But other than that, everything like our website, axemasterofficial.com. Okay. One All word. Right. All right. Well, you uh, know, uh, Facebook, Axe Official. When we uh, post this, we'll put links to all that in our uh, show Thank notes. you, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Of cool. Absolutely. Thank you. Of course. Anything you want to add, Jeff? Uh, I don't think so. Um, we covered a lot. Uh, there's nothing that uh, that I've got to like promote at the moment. So. <laughs> <laughs> Orange juice. <laughs> no that that was that was many years ago and uh we took a third place prize oh that's um, something to be proud of yeah <laughs> nice well thank you guys very much for for chatting with us we really well, appreciate it, it was, yeah. yeah it was a blast it always is me and jeff had such fun doing interviews we can't wait to hear the new stuff and we can't wait for you guys to show up in Rochester. I can't wait to play a show, period. <laughs> that, that too, but yeah, I, I want to come out that direction. Hell yeah, absolutely. Buffalo too. Yeah, Buffalo's a good city. I've got friends in Buffalo as well. They eat buffalo sauce in Buffalo. <laughs> a huge Buffalo sauce fan, I'm sorry. <laughs> so that's something I've always wanted to do. <laughs> Well, thanks, guys, very much, and uh, it was great talking to you. Yeah, you too, man. Hey, it's people like you. you who keep the scene alive, people like you both. Thank you. Hey. Thank keep you. the scene alive, and we definitely, as, as you know, a band that's been toiling in it a long time, band of musicians, we appreciate people like you who help keep things moving. Well, thank you. And uh, with without bands like you guys, we wouldn't have anything to talk about yeah, right <laughs> we'd have to talk to yeah, each other Jeff always have a lot to, to talk about <laughs> alright you guys we'll keep in touch with us absolutely take care thank you, you too have a good night Metal. <laughs> Metal. bye 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 so that was that was a fun chat with them yeah good chat great guys yeah that was a lot of fun and I really hope we get to see them here in Rochester sometime I one, think we will. One of our local favorite venues. I think we will. Yeah, me too. Um, side note, I feel like we need those hanging beer holders yes. in the ladies' room as well. Oh, okay. I didn't think about that, but... I mean, we do have the back of the toilet, but it's kind of gross. And sometimes your beer slides off. Yeah. Would you... What do you think would end up in those holders, though? Um, yeah, I can't even imagine. <laughs> Anything that you could think to put in a holder would probably yeah. end up in that yeah. holder. Yeah. Hmm. That's a great idea, but I think people would... Or maybe even, like, shelves or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, Anyways. a shelf might be good. Yeah. So just the bottom is touching? Yeah. I like it. Let's patent it. 
right. bathroom shelves. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem very creative. Oh, okay. But it serves a purpose. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of bathrooms. Yes. I have a, another little known fact for you. Okay. That's pretty amusing. Before toilet paper, what do you think Americans used to wipe their rear? Toilet paper. No. Oh. Corn. Like cobs of corn. Mm, cobs of corn yeah, or the husks? That's the husk. That, that's what this says. <laughs> the actual cob. Yep. They use the corn cob. Not the husk. No. The cob. <laughs> okay. The, the ridges would clean their rectum. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. It gives a new meaning to the word cornhole. <laughs> <laughs> and crawling chaos. <laughs> Yeah, but crawling chaos is awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. And wiping <laughs> your backside with corn is not awesome. How do you know? I don't know. Maybe I'm going to try it this Maybe week. you should. <laughs> if you see... <laughs> We're just coming out of corn season, though, so... <laughs> if you see a, a cob of corn in the bathroom, it looks suspect. <laughs> You'll know why. Don't eat it. <laughs> no, don't eat it. <laughs> 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 All right. Enough of our uh, madness rambling. Yeah. Let's um, close it out with another great Axe Master song. Yes. Thank you, Jeff thank and you. Joe. Thank you very much. And uh, we're going to listen to Crawling Chaos. All right. But first. But first. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And don't be a cornhole.
Long dim recesses 